Hello and welcome to my podcast, How I Teach Golf. My name's Duncan Walger and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello. Hi Sam, how are you? Duncan, I'm alright, how are you? Very well, very well. Thanks for coming on the show, I'm really looking forward to this. No, 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 my pleasure, thank you for asking me. So people that don't know Sam Carr, and I have to be honest, uh, full disclosure, although we met at the, or a little bit before we did the postgraduate diploma in sports coaching at Birmingham, I don't know how Sam Carr got into golf, um, how you took the game up, where you played, what level you played to, how you ended up um, at the PGA. So could you, um, for the listeners that might be interested in the backstory of Sam Carr, would you mind... uh, letting us know how you got into the game and how you ended up where you are today. Uh, I, I will, although you're about to lose all, 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 the, uh, all the listeners. <laughs> it's the shortest podcast ever. <laughs> um, okay, so how I got into the game. Um, I think I got into the game probably, um, probably like m- m- most people, I suppose, in that, um, through, through family. So my dad introduced me to the game I think I was around seven or eight something like that and um, I seem to remember he he had always played and I sort of would just go along with him to the driving range or hit some putts in the living room at home or something in the back garden or or something like that never never Mm -hmm. sort of did anything overly serious and one day as he he recalls I just um I just stopped showing interest, and uh, I say I was probably probably more interested in Thomas the Tank Engine or Power Rangers or something like that. And yeah. he formed the opinion that he would. I think he hoped, um, but he but he was going to wait for me to maybe one day show interest or you know a desire to go and play the game. He was never going to push me in any way, and 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 he waited really. Okay. And then one day. Um, and I seem to remember, I, I seem to remember in my head, I saw VJ Singh hit a three wood round. Um, is it the seventeenth at Wentworth, the par five? Yep. I seem to remember sitting watching him hit that, and I turned around to Dan and went, uh, "Fancy going to the driving range?" <laughs> and he went, "Well, yeah, all right." And I think I was about ten or eleven at the time. And I think from that point then onwards, there probably wasn't a day where I didn't have a golf club in my hand in some capacity, really. So, And this was in and around Birmingham? Yeah, so I was in Birmingham and I kind of, the first club I sort of joined was the club Dad was at, which was Great Bar Golf Club. And I played a bit there and then I, uh, how old would I have been when I moved to Warmley Golf Club, which was a 10-minute walk from where I lived um, Dad wasn't a member there, but I, I joined there. I must have been, I don't know, 14, 15 or something along those lines, which was great because mm-hmm. it was a five-minute walk away, literally a five-minute walk away. And, 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 and that's kind of how I then got into the, the game. Importantly, made some, um, by, by, by luck, really, I made a really fantastic social link which, with one in particular, with one individual in, in particular, Mr. Joseph Smoothie, and we're still very close mates to this day. And yeah. and it kind of rolled from there. I I I never particularly got to any high standard. Played county a, a couple of times, but not much. I think Joe and I were almost a year or two too late for the age groups. 
And um, I think Joe and I were also um, perhaps uh, perhaps we didn't necessarily agree with the selection policies that were in place at the time either. So okay. perhaps we were a little bit outspoken. And um, yeah, just carried on playing, carried on enjoying it. I think I, I, perhaps like many youngsters, I sort of harboured hopes of maybe one day being a tour player and what have you. And thought I was doing all the right things and thought I was uh, showing application and dedication. And when you look back, you realise that, you know, I obviously wasn't and I obviously didn't mm-hmm. want it that much. And I'm not saying I would have been good enough if I if I did want it, but clearly I didn't. And I think um, my uh, my mind's eye was always on sort of university. And even from sort of like 16, 17, I, I was quite interested in coaching and working with people. Yeah. And so the Applied Golf Management Studies um, a degree at the University of Birmingham seemed the obvious choice for me if I wanted to get into the golf industry as it gave me a University of Birmingham qualification at the same time, which I felt was valuable. And that obviously from that point, then that kind of pulled me away from, from playing more and more. And I think as I moved away from playing more and more and learnt more about the game and sort of coaching became something that was a real a real passion and an interest of of mine really um so the 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 degree you mm-hmm. you you did at birmingham yeah was that that's was that residential or did you stay at home or what was oh, the yeah. were you at a golf club or how did, how did that yeah, all it was, work the agms it? degree is is 3 years full time um okay. at the university of birmingham and living in birmingham i i actually stayed at home yeah um it was sort of 20 minutes away on the train, really, um, uh-huh. which was fantastic for me because I got the best of both worlds. So while my uh, while my friends were at home having um, cheese and onion crisp sandwiches for uh, dinner, I was yeah. had my mum cooking myself, cooking me a nice shepherd pie or something. So I was quite happy. <laughs> uh, and importantly, I was able to keep uh, playing golf at Warmley as I did, and keep social links with 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 a group of friends down there and and what have you and. But yeah, my passion for coaching grew really, and um, while I was at um, uh, Birmingham University, I did a couple of placements. One was at Bolmere Golf Club, which was at at the time local to me again, but a very busy municipal course. And then I went to Warmley Golf Club, which is where I was a member, and obviously a private members club. So it's two very different experiences from a, a a pro's perspective. I learned a lot from both i learned a heck of a lot being in the municipal environment the diversity of people uh, just that alone was was amazing um you know we had the head pro there at the time trevor short he had a he had a reputation really in and around birmingham and we'd we'd, we'd deal with sort of aston villa football players would come down and spend thousand in the shops and then on a on a friday afternoon we'd have um that kind of like local factory workers would come down and you had a real diverse mix of people and, and, and yeah. that really intrigued me. Um, but, but then I kind of um, was, when I went from Bolmy, went to Warmly, I was then able to work under Chris Wicketts and as the head pro, and I was able to then start doing my own coaching. So when you went to Birmingham to do your degree, mm. is that part, do you have to turn professional when to, as part uh, of uh, the you degree? Don't, you don't have to. No, you don't have that's to. That's something you wanted to do? It was something I wanted to do because I wanted to get involved in coaching. Okay. So some, so some of my classmates didn't 
Turn yep. uh, did become a member of the PGA and and didn't need to. Some didn't want to. Um, some of us did for different reasons. And yeah, mine was because I wanted to coach. Yeah. Um, so when I started coaching, I kind of quickly built up quite a good client base. And you know, I, I think looking back on it, you think, "Wow, did I really deliver some of those lessons?" And you know, it, it's funny when you look back. But one of the things for me, and most importantly for me is what I realized is that I love working with people and trying to help people develop themselves. And so I'd always get, when I'd kind of like collect feedback, um, yes, people's golf would improve, but the biggest improvement that often see would be with themselves. And they'd talk about feelings of confidence and, and all that kind of stuff. And I was, I was into goal settings and, and, and all that kind of stuff. I was kind of, as a coach, I was more, I spend a lot of time trying to help people become better people you know and um, if they develop yeah. their golf game great but i kind of felt that developing people would lead to better golfers anyway so as a and was this something that you learnt or as in through the degree process or was this something that you'd you'd learned building up to that or was it through the two different golf courses kind of the the, the two professionals you've already mentioned, them mentoring you or what, how, how did your yeah. goal setting and wanting to actually develop people come out that, of that, what you were doing? That came from um, sort of family influences. So mm -hmm. um, I've, I've, I've always been very close to my dad and through, through his business, I always picked up on this and he influenced me with, books um uh, Stephen Kobe's seven habits of highly effective people and things like that and I always just yeah. through that and a close friend of his uh, called Steve who also had believed in the same sort of principles I I was have I think I was heavily influenced by those two individuals like growing up playing golf and listening to their experiences in business and that what I took away from it is that people are, are, are the most important and and trying to develop them trying to um, make them feel good, develop them, them their skills, saying a business setting will create a, a successful business. And I, I, I just sort of transferred that into my golf coaching. And that, and that was where my desire to try and help people become as good as they could be kind of came from. Um, it was like a social influence. So how long did you coach? How long did you do the coaching? Well, or, or do you I still coach I was now? coaching what, like full time cause... there for, I don't know, uh, I suppose three or four years full time. Mm -hmm. But what I realized quite quickly is that while I could fix a golf swing to some degree and while I might be able to help people with goal setting and exploring realities and barriers and stuff, I didn't actually know how to that was, it was it was this barrier that kept coming okay. up to, in front of me. I didn't know how to teach people anything, and I didn't really understand the, like the education process. So from there, I had the opportunity to go to Solihull College and work then on the college based ACE program. So then I was yeah. immersed into an education environment and I was able to get education. And what I learned through that time was how. The, the sort of formal education process, how do you actually teach people? What do teachers do? So then how did that change your how did that change the way that you taught or gave golf lessons? I think it I think it 
what I learned was that through following the teaching process, understanding learning theories and all that kind of stuff, perhaps it's a bold claim, but you could arguably teach anything if you, if you kind of know the method behind the madness. And so I felt that transferred because now I understood the process and the learning journey that I needed to take someone on in order for them to become a better golfer. So for me, while I could give them all the, the best information they want about the golf swing, unless I can introduce that in the right way, unless I can put the right learning blocks in place for them to develop their understanding, unless I can, unless I can come up with ways for them to check for understanding, I can check their understanding. How can I actually get them to learn what it is they're doing or what it is they need to do to get better? And ultimately for me, my, my purpose as a coach, I felt was to become redundant. I wanted to try and help people yeah. help themselves so that they didn't need me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I still get a funny look when I actually say to people, you know, that's where I want to get to. I want to get to the point where they're fully autonomous and they don't really need me. Yeah. And, and you kind of get a funny yeah. look. Yeah. I, 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 I totally understand that. And, just having that teaching background for me gave me a skill set that allowed me to actually teach teach people rather than perhaps tell them my belief or what I think. To me, that's not to me that's not teaching and golf coaching, depending on how we define coaching. Um, to me, is a is a, is an education process um, with an outcome at the end, and it's my job to take them on a journey to help them achieve their outcome. And perhaps also achieve some things along the way, but I've got to learn how to teach people in the first place. So that's where that came from. So then you, that's where that came out of there. So when, how long were you at Solihull? How... Yeah, that's a good question. I think I joined Solihull in 2009 and I left in halfway through 2012 to join the, to join the PGA. Okay. So did you do, so I'm just trying to work out kind of a timeline myself. When did we start the PG dip? Was that 2012? No, that was, I'm going to say, was, or was it? Yeah, I think it might have been actually. Was that September 2012? Yeah. I, I think so it I, may yeah, have been. Because I've been at the PJ just a few months when we okay. started that together. Okay. And what was the reason? What What did you feel as though you what? Why Why did you feel as though you wanted to, or why did you go to the? PGA? Why did I go to the PGA? Um, I think it was the uh, when I went into the PGA, I was as coaching development officer and having mm -hmm. the opportunity to. Well, first of all, I, I still am a very proud PGA member and even though I work for the PGA I, I, I mean that it, you know and and for me to go and work for the PGA is still um, maybe an, an honour or, or whatever it might be but you know to have the opportunity to go and work yeah. for the PGA it's fantastic for me and have, to have the opportunity to work within coaching and coach education which are all things that when you look at that timeline of university and then teaching qualifications, all that was something that, something that really floated my boat. Having the opportunity to work under now Dr. Jonathan Wright, who, you know, mm -hmm. as I admire greatly and was, was fantastic. And, I, you know, I, I learned a lot. I've learned a lot since joining the PGA. But that role, coach education, 
helping PGA pros with their coaching, um, doing running workshops, and you know that that was fan- that was a fantastic opportunity for me, and to be able to work for the for the PGA, um, and it kind of got me out of the sort of mainstream education environment and took me back into a golf environment, but with an education twist, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, completely. Because you know, I, I, you know, I got to know you really well during the doing the uh, PG dip, um, and just hearing what you've just said, it kind of not sends me back to the, the first year. You know, I still say it's the hardest thing I've ever done, but one of the most beneficial mm. things I ever did. I mean, it took a year for you to actually tell me how to read a research paper <laughs> properly, but I think you, I think you quite enjoyed that year. Um, <laughs> Did you actually read every single yeah. page of every single research paper? Yes, Sam, I did. <laughs> Why? Yeah, I seem to remember quite a few um, a few conversations along with, with yourself and uh, and 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 Kev Flynn. Um, and that was a great yeah. experience in itself doing PG Dip. You know, part of the reason I wanted to do PG Dip is because I had been, uh, I don't know, five, six, seven years out of university, and I felt that my coaching knowledge was sort of outdated. And I really enjoyed when I was doing the, the AGMS degree when I was 18, 19, 20, working with Dr. Matt Bridge, Dr. Martin Toms. They were, to me, they, mm. they were, you know, the real fonts of knowledge and um, to get sort of back in touch with them and to work with them and was, was something that I, I really sort of look forward to, which is really why I did PG Dip. And I kind of, I kind of missed that sort of education process myself and learning s- something new and, I don't. Th- I don't think I'm um, particularly good when it comes to sort of academia or academic writing. And again, it was the opportunity to develop my learning and my understanding. And you know, for me, one of the things I always took away from well, two two things that I big things that I took away from PG Dip. One is that it was once again reinforced to me that I know very very little. <laughs> you know, when 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 some of the guys at university would talk to us about various papers and what have you and you know specific i get really yeah. like blimey i know i don't know a lot here there is a heck of a lot to know and secondly the other thing that mm. i really took away from it was the value and the importance of those informal learning experiences you know um, yeah. as, as all being um in 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 one of the pubs in selly oak or whatever having a couple of beers i learned so much from listening to people who knew from you guys who ultimately know so much more about say the golf swing than I did. I learned so much from asking stupid questions to you guys and just listening to you talk. And that was fantastic for me. You know, I had all these, these group of golf coaches talking about coaching stuff and especially technical golf coaching stuff. I didn't know. I I'd never even been exposed to really. Um, and it was great for me. Um, and I learned the importance of the, the value of that sort of informal learning experience as well. Um, it's amazing what you've learned. But I also think from our side of things, Sam, yeah. sorry to butt in, but I think from our side of things, or definitely for me personally, that I felt it was valuable for us to have someone like yourself, not just from uh, Dr. Martin and Dr. Matt and, and, and everyone else that we, that we had available to us, but to have a fellow PGA member that in my eyes came from a bit more of the academic background that had been to university because I didn't go. Um, 
that had been involved with the with the college system and had been far more involved in a in a different role or a different aspect of yeah. coaching that it was so beneficial for me to be able to turn around and say Sam I don't know yeah. how to do this you know give me someone who's shanking the golf yeah. ball and I'm quite happy at the moment I am I am the person on the other end of the lesson shanking and I need some help and it's amazing what you can learn over a bit of chicken with uh, Duncan Walker and Kevin Flynn in Nando's <laughs> on a, uh, a cold Monday night in Birmingham really isn't it <laughs> They were great days. They were great days. I'm going to completely sidetrack it at this point, Sam. I have to thank you for for not just what you did for me at the PG Dip. I think we'd been there. This was either the second or third day. You, take, you took a sneaky pick of my <laughs> side profile. And uh, that that sent me on the journey of a three-year <laughs> fitness regime, which accumulated in me running a half marathon and dropping nearly three stone in weight. So... I, I do thank you for it, although I have been through a lot of pain getting to that, get, getting rid of that nearly three stone. But it was, I mean, it was awesome. I, well, we had just, a great, great time. I just hope time. you're not accusing me of using my phone during a lecture. Ah, uh, sorry. Yeah, you're going to have to give your PG dip back. <laughs> so after PG dip, um, then then kind of what did you do after that? And what do you currently so, do? Uh, from a actual delivery of sort of coaching perspective, I've, I guess I've ultimately been in and out of that a little bit. Um, I think the working for the PGA in the coaching development officer role was, was more than a full-time gig, really. Um, you know, I, uh, to me, as, as, as an employee of the PGA, as, as, uh, I guess as a PGA member myself, but to, to me as an employee of the PGA, my job is to work on behalf of, of, of the members and for, for the members. So if I think of that time period, say 2014 after PG dipped to, to, the, to the current to current day, I've spent a lot of time trying to, and, and I take great pride in, in trying to help as many PGA pros as, as I can. And I will say to say to them all the time I, I don't have all the answers if I had all the answers I would be a billionaire but please reach out to, to me or, or anyone else sort of in the team because we're here to support you and if there's something I don't know then I'm sure I know someone who does know so so let me know so I spent I spent I kind of threw myself into that role totally trying to help as many members as I could at the same time, I mm -hmm. carried on with my own personal development and I went and engaged with a company called the Coaching Academy who were, I don't like the phrase, life coaching, but, but you could call it corporate coaching, business coaching, life coaching, whatever you want to do. And I engaged in their um, personal performance diploma, which was all about coaching people on, on anything really. And... Um, I went on an amazing journey learning how to question, how to help people understand their goals, what they actually mean to them, what's going on in their reality, what options they have available, what's their way forward, what's their barriers, and trying to deliver, deliver sessions to people to help those people achieve whatever they want to achieve in life. And um, so that was, that was a part-time qualification that I was doing myself. 
and those skills really I felt transferred into my role with the PGA because I was working with coaches um, predominantly and I try not to say to a PGA member this is what I think you should do this is how I think you should do it and um, if you don't do it you're mad because who am I to tell anybody else what they should or shouldn't be doing so I try to support people through my questions and trying to help them kind of come up with their own solution or their own pathway to getting themselves to their own target and if I can provide some information on top of that as the role dictates then then fine so that qualification also really has really influenced me and um, I guess that brings us up really to, to the present day so April this year my uh, role at the PGA change from coaching development officer to business relationship officer, which is um, more of an all-encompassing role, really. I suppose as coaching development officers, we were pigeonholed into the team. We were pigeonholed into coaching. But the reality is, is that the membership, the PGA membership needs support across a whole range of areas. And we were actually dealing with support issues across a whole range of areas as well. So, the business relationship officer support network is there to help members with anything, um, whether it is coaching or education or, or um, the retail or, or contract issues, whatever. The PJ now is a really good structure to be able to help. And um, I know it's become a, um, a bit of a mantra, a bit of a mission that, you know, we, we want to try and improve the personal and professional lives of, of the PJ workforce of, of, of them, of the members. And that's what we try to do. So since April, the um, the sort of interactions that I've had with members has diversified into into all sorts of different issues, which is which brings along all sorts of different challenges for me because I'm quite a lot of the time now totally out of my comfort zone. So I'm sort of scrambling around trying to develop myself as best as I can in different areas to try and to try and support um, members, really. Um but, but as you said, and I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm going to hopefully put some put some meat on the bone for some people who are listening to to this. I I would strongly recommend if any of the coaches or professionals or or people from from golf clubs that have questions with regards to things to do with the PGA to get in contact with. If you don't know who your business relationship officer is. Just phone the PGA and ask who it is, and they will quite happily give you their telephone number and just open a conversation with them. Yeah. I think I'm right in saying, I mean, you, you, your, mm -hmm. your team or the, 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 the team that work with uh, Dr. Jonathan Wright, and Jonathan's awesome. Um, I've known, known him probably for about eight years now. And the, with, with him and the rest of you guys, uh, you know, Fiona and Justin and, and Danielle and, um, oh, the other ones I've forgotten, but I apologise for that. Um, no, you did well then. Speaking to you guys as a team, you all pull together as a team as well. And I think that's really, really good that everyone can kind of phone someone else. Like you said, you don't have all the answers, but give me a few days and I'll go away and research it for you and get back to you with a with a, maybe a solution yeah, that we can I, talk through. Yeah, I totally through. agree. And um, yeah. I suppose we can we can all sit there and blame external factors for whatever we want to blame, uh, whatever we want to blame them for. 
We can blame Brexit for whatever we want to blame it for. Heck, we can blame the rain for whatever we want to blame it for. You know, but ultimately, mm. the PGA and the network that is that is, that is out there and everyone at HQ is there to support members and. As a member myself, even if I wasn't working for the for, for, for directly for the PGA, reach reach out, you know, see what you can find out, see who they can put you in touch, who, who we can put you in touch with, see what information send you because um, it's. I think golf is quite a small world, especially in the UK, um, and so a member rings us up, needs support in any area. We, as I said, we're going to know someone. Um, who who can mm. who can help, or we'll be able to provide advice on uh, on, on coaching or educate whatever it might be. So I, I just encourage members, PJ members, to pick up the phone and, and and reach out, even if it's to moan about the PGA. Reach out. I'll come and see <laughs> you. Let's talk about where your frustrations come from. All right now, let's talk about what we can do to make things better. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I no, see. No, absolutely. It. So. We touched on at the start that obviously um, Stephen Covey's book influenced you quite heavily, mm. and your your father and is it his no, business just, partner? Just close, just close, close friend. Yeah. Okay, close friend that 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 they they've influenced you, so it's kind of a mentoring position. Any other any other people or or, or publications uh, or events that you've been to that have heavily influenced? You as either professionally or personally. Oh, it sounds. It sounds. You know what? They'll if 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 they were to listen to this, they'd they they'd, they'd probably probably laugh. But um, Dr. Martin Toms over the year at university, I've yeah. always found Martin to be extremely open, extremely approachable, and um, I think over the years. Uh, whether it's been either over email or, or face-to-face, we've, we've had some really interesting discussions. So acad- academically, he, you know, he's helped me sort of um, understand evidence and, and, and think about whatever I'm doing, making sure it's as valid as it can be. I think, again, you see, it's interesting from my perspective because um, another another academic in, in, in Richard Bailey, you know, you know, Richard... Mm. Is Richard doctor or professor or blimey if he uh, if he if he heard. I think it's professor because he said at the community the, the cops summit I introduced him and he said it's <laughs> professor right. and I went I was like oh you know, getting just disappeared um, <laughs> so so I, I definitely say um, you know Doctor Dick um, as he is on Twitter yeah. um, seeing some fantastic presentations of him, some fantastic information, very engaging. Again, I would, I would recommend any coach or any PJ member to go and listen to these individuals. Sure. You might, you might think, well, yeah, but what, what, what can academic ac- academia teachers? Well, these individuals bridge the gap between academic and, and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and practical and, and actual practice. And that's the skill. They don't sit in isolation. And so as, as, as practitioners, if you want, as coaches, we can learn so much from that so many people have been influenced by them. You know, some of the people that you've talked to on this, on this, um, your podcast series have been influenced by these people. Um, the other person um, on, on, on sort of a kind of like an up, an up, an up there stage, um, obviously you, you created the opportunity for me to come out and do the plain truth. 
um, summit back in, was that 14 or was that 2013? I, I came out with you guys and, and I think it might have been, it's either 13 or 14. And, Sam, and yeah. Watching Jim and Chris teach Chris O'Connell, and Jim Hardy teach. Um, how can I put it? It blew my, it blew my mind to be totally honest. You know, I'd, I'd seen the sort of plain true slogan of, of next ball better. But to actually see these individuals bring that hashtag to life and actually almost see someone hit one, two, three balls and be able to give them technical golf instruction in in, in a very considered way that almost instantly produced positive changes astounded me. I thought that was amazing. I thought that was truly amazing. And to have that level of understanding. And for me, at times, um, it was the the application of being able to understand precisely what's going on and to have all that information in their head and to be able to put it across in a very simple way so that the punter, the golfer, understood it and was able to transfer that into the next ball better. I thought that was amazing. Um, and I think their systems are fantastic, and uh, their method. Uh, I say methods. I don't. To me, to me, it's not a method. The, the method of uh, plus and minuses to me allows a whole variety of ways to fix, if you will, a a golf swing um, for one person. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fantastic. Me personally, as a coach, I don't like one size fits fits all. When it, and and plain truth gives you options to meet that player's needs and wants and seeing them applying that I thought was just I thought wow that's awesome <laughs> is what I thought and um, you know then being able to transfer um, from my perspective I, I went to when I was doing more coaching then than I am now but trying to transfer those principles into my coaching was great and I still try to keep my mind fresh with some of those principles because I feel like I, I can, at any point, I could a- apply those to any, any, any person. And, and I think that's one of the great things for me about the plain truth way of doing stuff. You could apply it to any person at, at any time based on their needs and wants. And I'm all about treating people like an individual. So, so Jim Hardy and Chris O'Connell, I put them kind of together. They, they blew my mm. mind on, um, on, on, on those couple of days with them and, and, and i'd recommend anybody to listen to them as well um so i guess there's some of my biggest influences me being a bit of a reflector i'll probably um when we finish this recording i'll probably think of someone but it'll be it'll, it'll be too late then but, you'll probably send me a text yeah, later with probably. a list i mean there's 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 lots of people um and for me i'm a believer that you can learn anything from anywhere so <clears throat> you know uh, if, if there's a workshop going on or a conference going on and, and somebody attends it and they walk away and go, oh, well, that, that was a load of rubbish. I knew all that. My my reaction is great. Well, if you know all that, what you do know has just been reinforced as the great as, as the correct thing. That's a nugget in itself. So I always think there's a learning opportunity in anything. Um, hence, I'd always encourage people from an education point of view to to always be trying to engage with education workshops, go and speak to other coaches from other sports. You know, I've learned a heck of a lot over the past few years. We did some, um, through my role at the PGA, we got Graham Webb involved, who owns a personal trainer network in the north of England. And 
you think, what's that got to do with golf? Well, actually, when you look at it, the personal trainer um, industry is very similar to the golf coach industry. It's a different skill set and a different environment, but it's it's very, very similar as far as the dynamics go. Mm-hmm. And he, he taught me a lot about marketing and a lot about selling. And that was a big influence because I see a lot of, I see on my on my travels, if you will, a lot of really, really great golf coaches who, who don't necessarily know how to sell or know how to market or know how to create packages and products that can obviously help their clients achieve what they want to achieve. But in a way that if you want secures the pros financial position, it's a very interesting combination. And he, he was an influence on me. And that, and that was something, you know, as I say, from a marketing business kind of perspective, um, I could probably go on because there's, there's just lots of people that have influenced me in different ways. Is there any other any other books or um, do you listen to podcasts? I do. I do listen to some podcasts. I do um, book wise. Um, I mean, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is one that for me is just mm. it's just it's just awesome. Um, Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning is another one. That's that's been a big influence on me personally, actually. Um, and without getting too deep, uh, um, F- Frankel Victor Frankel was a um, he was a psychologist, but he was a he was a prisoner in a um, prisoner of war camp. And what he noticed when he when he was there is um, the human's ability and capacity to adapt to any situation. And he and Covey will talk about um, stimulus and response. So any stimulus, uh, whatever it might be, will create a response. So, um, but where the power lies is in between is the ability to choose our response. And for me, that's as, as a person that that's really important and, I, and, I, and our ability to choose our response to any stimulus. So it doesn't just have to be automated. So somebody walks up to me in the street and starts having a go at me, the automatic reaction might be to lamp them, but it doesn't have to be, <laughs> it doesn't have to be. You can choose that response. You know, you, you yeah. fail an exam. You, you, a, a individual's response might be to beat themselves up, think they're, think they're worthless. Oh, I can't believe it. But you don't, you don't have to react to that. You could choose to te- take it as a learning experience and move forward. So for me, and there was some uh, sort of personal things that went on in my life when I, was, that I went, that I, when I was younger that I perhaps didn't understand at the time, but me actually developing and realizing I had the power to choose my response to situations gave me a sense of real empowerment. And improve my confidence because I was, I was lacking. Believe it or not, I, I, I go on a bit, but I was I, lack, I lacked a lot of confidence. I was quite insecure when I was younger, so that was a really big realization for me that um, still still stays real true to me. And I, when I obviously work with a PGA, I wear a lot of shirt and ties, and um, on, on on my shirt I've got a um, collar stiffness, and on the collar stiffness I've got engraved is, um, our greatest freedom is the freedom to choose. And, it, and it's something that's really stuck with me and I can't do it every time. You know, I, 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 I will get moody with a better half or I will have a go at something, but I, but, but I try and I aspire to that. And um, I think personally, that's something that's really resonated and I like to think is at the core of me. So that's been a big, Sam, I think that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's definitely something that I, that's very personal to me actually. But, um, 
definitely something that I try and do and, and it's something that resonates with me all the time. I can't do it all the time. <laughs> no, well, who can? Yeah, so you, no one's you, you only have to talk to my friends or, uh, or, or, or even probably yourself. I'm sure over the years I've had a go at you about something when I didn't need to, but it's something that I aspire to. So, yeah, that, that's been a big influence for me. Fantastic. So what's the, what's the second book Victor again? Frankel's Man's Search for Meaning. And the and the quote that you have on your on, uh, on, on my yourself. Uh, on my collar stiffeners, um, our greatest freedom is the freedom to choose. Oh, our greatest power, our greatest freedom is the power to choose, is what I have engraved. Fantastic, yeah. brilliant. Sam, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it a bit more back to 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 golf yeah, a yeah. little bit. Um, what, who would be in your fantasy four ball, and where would you play? <laughs> Now, you did obviously mention to me before this that you would ask me this question. And I'm glad yeah. you did because me being a thinker and a reflector, it took me a while to come up with the answer. Um, so obviously I've got to pick three players, haven't I, to make a four ball? Right? You, you can go with this at, at wherever you want, um, but you have to justify what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Okay, so the first person. So if I if I'm playing and we've got, I've got to pick three guys or, or girls, whatever. First place I would go for is Tiger Woods. Um, I'm, that's almost probably a bit of a cliche. I don't know. Oh yeah, Tiger Woods. Um, but I guess uh, my generation, uh, you know, is the greatest that ever lived. I think he's a bit of an enigma. I think he, he's a personality. Uh, a lot of. There's a lot of stuff we don't know there. And I would like to have the opportunity for four hours to talk to the guy. Obviously, I'd like to see him play, but I think I'd like to have the chance to see what, what, how he ticks and to have a conversation with him. Um, I, would, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more, Sam. I'd, I'd, I'd love to have that time where you can ask the questions you yeah. want to ask and hopefully get... And just, just to get the responses and you can just go, wow, that was so far it, different it, from whatever, ever, any other yeah. or or whatever yeah. was and, out there. And even there. just the yeah. opportunity to say to him, what, 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 you know, just before he hits a shot, what, what, what are you thinking? What's going through yeah. your head, you know, um, to see if it is actually any different to what any of us might think. Um, yeah. It probably isn't, but it'd be nice to know. Um, the other person uh, who I would have is my dad. I, I, yeah. He got me into the game. I love playing with him. Um, I, I know me and him playing golf together is so important to him. So I, I'd have to have him in there. And I also love nothing more than taking a fiver off him. So, <laughs> so you're not playing no, with him no, then? No, no, forget that. No, 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 no. So, you know, beating Tiger Woods <laughs> would be fantastic, but taking a fiver off my old man, that's, that's, that's you know, that's, that doesn't get better than that, Dunks. And then Brilliant. if I if I could, and and, he, and, he's, and he's not alive, I would have Sir Bobby Robson because to me, okay. as, as, a, as, a, as a Newcastle fan myself, um, uh, to me, he's the greatest football manager that ever lived. To me, he is a, 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 a manager and a motivator of people. I think he's principle led and he, he has strong values and he, and he tries to do the right thing. And what bits that I've read in various books and I've watched recent film on him. He he was a pretty amazing man, and and even now through his foundation and charity, he's doing some amazing work. And I'd also love to know what Sir Bobby Robson would uh, would say to Tiger Woods. 
be honest. Um, yeah. So that would be my three. Yeah. If I was to pick four players and I was to watch them, now this mm-hmm. is a random one, and I, I've got a, I would have Margaret Thatcher. And the okay. reason that's not a political statement, just to clarify that, the reason I would have her in that in that four would be, um, I totally in when when in the decades that led her to getting into power, and when she was in power, obviously sort of traditional values within society were still around. I think, you know, no way women as empowered as they are today, yet she managed to rise to the very top. So regardless of what anyone or what I think about her political opinions, rightly or wrongly, I would love to find out how someone comes against lots of speed bumps, lots of adversity, but still rises to the top. I would love the opportunity to find uh, to find out how she how she did it. That that I think is absolutely amazing. Um so that'll be that. And where to play? Uh, you know, I, I suppose Augusta, because I'm never gonna get a chance, chance to, chance to, chance to play there. To be totally honest, if mm-hmm. I could, if I could go anywhere. Um, but if I'm being totally honest, it wouldn't. I always had a thing for Beth Page Black as well. Always wanted to play that yeah. because my interpretation is just an absolute brute. Um, yes. Uh, to be honest, I'd quite like to get them back down to the municipal, down at Bolmere Golf Club, where I grew up playing. You know, I'm not particularly yeah, bothered where I'd play with them. I'd probably have to say Augusta because I'm never going to get the chance to to go there and play. So I'd 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 throw that out as, as Augusta. I think. Have you been to the Masters? I then, haven't. It's on my bucket list, and you never know what might happen over the next next two or three years or so. But I, I'd I'd love the opportunity. Um, obviously, been okay. to the Open a couple of times cool. through my work at the PGA and, and and working on the swing zone and, and yeah. you know seeing the Open courses and experiencing the Open is just is just magnificent. So what it must be like to walk on the turf at Augusta? Um, maybe one day I'll be lucky enough to find out. There we go. Hopes and dreams for the coming year Who within knows? golf, Sam. Absolutely, yeah. 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 And for you, what do you um what do you kind of what would you like to predict or what would you what would you like to to have happen over the next twelve to eighteen months within golf? Anything that you would you'd like to see happen? Uh can I win the lottery and retire? Can I, is that, I don't, is that I within don't goal? Can, can, can I just say it? I, I don't, I don't, you know, don't, I, I, I have a passion for, for what I do now. I have a passion for, for, for helping people. I, I love golf coaching. Um, I don't know is, is the honest answer to that question. I don't know. Um, I'd, I'd really have to reflect on that. Uh, I just want. I, I just, from a golf perspective, um, I have to admit, since becoming a business relationship officer, I've probably moved a, 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 on a day-to-day level away from coaching more and more um, because the role demands it. And personally, I, I miss that. I do. I do miss that. At least you know, in the previous role as a coaching officer, while I, um, you know, coaching was like the full-time focus. Um, so I, I think as it stands now 
I, I, I would like to try and maybe do some more development work in coaching just to keep my mind ticking over. You know, I, I don't have a particularly developed knowledge of sort of trap man and launch monitors and all that kind of, I'd like to do a bit of that. And I'd, I'd maybe like to re-engage with the, the, the plain truth a little bit more to update my knowledge and develop my knowledge. So I think from a coaching perspective, just to sort of re-engage, re-engage with it all again over the next 12 to 18 months would, 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 would be great. Okay. If you won the lottery, would you still want to work in golf or would you want to work? I think you kind of said retire, but actually if you won, let's say you won 10 million quid, uh, would you, would you retire fully and, you know, buy a farm and make cheese? I don't know. <laughs> I'd open a chicken farm for Kevin Flynn. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to get a lot of chickens. Um, no, I, no, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't retire. As I've said before, um, I think the overarching principle for me out of out of this this whole thing is, is sort of helping, educating, supporting people. So if I was suddenly, if, if if a massive lump sum of cash came into my bank account, a big part of me would be, okay, what can I do this? What can I do with this money to help and support more people? And that might take me out mm. of golf because there might be other areas that I could have a big influence. So I, I, I don't know, but that would, be, that would be my instant reaction. Yeah. What, what can I do yeah, with, what can I do with this money to, to help other people? Bit, I, that might sound really cliche and cheesy, but that's just, I think that's like the, out of my journey, my short journey so far, they're the sort of principles and things that I value, you know, educating, supporting, developing, and um, perhaps it just happens to be that I have a passion for golf and coaching. And so I'm able to fulfill those um, or live out those values through the golf industry. Um, yeah. But I think that's the, the, the thread that we've had all the way through the podcast. That comes, I think that comes through all the way, literally all the way through this whole conversation, Sam, is that, you know, your passion lies within helping people improve themselves mm. Um whether it be through education or through golf lessons or whatever that, wherever that is. And regardless of the situation you're in, that's what you want to, yep, to I, keep doing. I, I agree. I agree. Um, so question of the day, as your guest of the day, you get to ask question okay. of the day. Okay. So I get to ask you. Well, you get to ask the listeners. Oh, I get to ask the listeners. Yeah. Oh blimey! That that's a good one, Dunks. I get to ask the listeners. I I, I think I'd quite like. Um, I think I'd, I I wouldn't go anything too too deep. Um, I I would love, right? I would love that the, the listeners, be it whatever background they're from to share their their best tips on how to make people um maybe make isn't the right thing but how to inspire to make people they work with become the best that they can be what's their top tips for doing that and there might be golf coaches in your experiences what have you done what are your top tips for making people become the best that they can be whether that's the best person or the best golf what what is it 
what is it? And if there's anybody out there from like a retail perspective or a, a marketing perspective, a medical perspective, whatever it might be, what do you do? What do you do to make people become the best that they can be? Because to me, in that answer, in those answers, there are a lot of a lot of other higher higher sort of answers, um, questions that are answered. Um, that's my bias because I'm interested in helping people become the best that they can be. So what do people do? That, that would be my question. Brilliant. Share some ideas. That's it. Sam, that's, that's been fantastic. Like I said, on a personal note, um, you've helped me. I've known you now just over six years. I can't, I can't begin to think of the amount of time we've spent on the phone, me literally asking you, I don't know how to do this. How can you help me? Uh, the amount of times you've helped, you know, signposted me to people or to ideas. Um, so just, just a big, big personal thank you for, for helping me in the, over the last five, six years in developing myself. And, uh, you know, we, we have a lot mm -hmm. of laughs. Um, we disagree mm -hmm. on a lot, but we're never disagreeable yeah, with each other, which I think is, uh, which I think is huge. And, uh, I really look forward to catching up with you soon, mate. And, um, you know, all the best for the, for the, for the coming winter. And I hope that people, PGA members, uh, or people that are interested in the PGA will reach out to either yourself or their business relationship officer, um, or the PGA and just basically ask some questions, um, and, and, get any assistance or help that uh, that the association yeah couldn't agree for. more and obviously i echo my comments uh, your comments i echo them back because well you might you, you know you said about you would maybe ask me about academic um papers or, or whatever I, i've asked you lots of stupid questions about the golf swing and i think that's what it's about isn't it it's about us all helping each other and that might sound corny or cheesy but we don't do it enough so you know, I, I think I think I think as as sort of golf professionals specifically, we need to do that more. We need to listen to each other more and ask each other more. And there's a big piece of pie out there, and it's not a fight to get a slice. There's enough to go around, um, and that would be my take on that. So yeah, so thank you, thank you for asking me to do this. And um, I suppose my last comment would be, as it, as as yours is often to me, uh, thank you and uh, head down, left arm straight. <laughs> top tip <laughs> brilliant Sam Sam I look forward to All right, Duncan, you soon take mate. care bye bye, -bye. cheers